0: Welcome to Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm Lindsay, a copywriter and certified coach with nearly two decades of experience. I've seen it all in both the corporate world and in entrepreneurship, and I'm here to spark conversation about the things that matter most. Reprogramming is a podcast to help you shift perspective, consider new viewpoints, and challenge your old belief system around business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, empowerment, and more. If you are ready to reprogram your life for more success, fulfillment, and joy, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we're going to dive into the mindset around making pivots in your career and, furthermore, what it's like to become an author. There's so much to talk about, and I know you'll love hearing from our guest today, Joy Batra. Joy is founder of Quartz Consulting, a freelance consulting firm that has advised startups, venture capital firms, and Fortune 500 companies. She previously worked at institutions like Goldman Sachs and Gunderson Detmer and had a brief stint as a Bollywood actress, which I definitely want to hear more about, and as head of legal at Syndicate Protocol. Joy holds a JD MBA from Harvard University and is now an author. Her book, The Freelance Mindset, Unleashing Your Side Hustles for Better Work, Play, and Life, was recently named a best graduation gift by Oprah Daily. Oprah, guys. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Joy, I am thrilled to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited too. Joy and I happened to cross paths at a freelance event here in Buffalo where she was a speaker and it introduced me to her book, The Freelance Mindset, which I'm almost done with Joy. I am really struggling to get through my books this year. That was like my New Year's resolution, but everything I've heard so far, it's it's a Bible for people with an entrepreneurial spirit. Like You don't even have to be freelancing right now. It's just basically making your own decisions for your own career and i i'm loving it so far oh thank you so much i'm so excited to hear that yeah so why don't we just get started with telling us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and how you became an author and a freelancer
1: yeah so i'm joy you kind of covered what i do on my resume but in terms of background i'm based in boston and i sometimes extend into new york and new hampshire And how I became an author and a freelancer uh, is maybe not the most direct journey. I, I actually started in a very traditional career path. I worked in investment banking in New York. I went to law school and then business school. And I fully planned on working at a law firm after graduation. And I had actually accepted an offer at one of the firms I was really excited about. But, you know, I took the bar exam after graduation. And as I got closer and closer to this shift in my life, there was kind of this tension in me, this like, longing to want to experience these other sides of myself. Yes, I had trained my entire life to become a corporate lawyer. But at the same time, like all throughout school, I was in plays and in Bollywood dance classes and teams and performances. And I realized like on the cusp of adulthood, those sides of me were just going to go away. And that was really painful and scary to feel. So then I did something like over dramatic I probably shouldn't have necessarily taken this big of a step but I went to India to visit family and while I was out there I reconnected with an old classmate who had become a Bollywood actor and dancer and she showed me her acting school and by coincidence of coincidences there happened to be a three week course that fit exactly my dates that I was there, which led to an audition which then led to a talent management agreement and a decision to be made where I had to choose either the path of stability, which was the law firm in the US that I knew, or this path of adventure, but also not money. (laughs) And uh, that was the acting in Bollywood. And yes, we wouldn't be here today if I hadn't chosen the path of adventure, you know what happened next. But what you don't know is that I had six figure student loans. And um, let's just say like, acting does not pay a lot, because most of the time you're out of work. And also because when you're in India, you're getting paid in rupees and my, my loans were in dollars, which uh, the math wasn't working. So I needed work fast, but I also needed work that would let me go to auditions. Enter freelancing. I did um, you know a number of small projects and I started to realize that this was like a new career path that I didn't know was available to me. I could spend you know my mornings making spreadsheets And my afternoons going to auditions and I didn't necessarily have to choose, maybe this was a function of not booking a ton of work, you know that. But you know i'm hearing from more and more freelancers as i've started to interview uh, through the writing process and people are you know going on broadway. tours and running tech companies at the same time and they're doing full time in both and really carving out a life that is custom to them. So that's how I became a freelancer. How I became an author is very much related to this because uh, when I was in India, I had to brush up on my Hindi and that involved writing stories. And the strange thing was I did not like writing in school. Uh, writing to me, I associated with like all-nighters and you know a lot of pulling my hair out kind of feelings. Uh, but when I was writing these little stories for my Hindi instructor, I had fun and he had fun and i was like what this is an option (laughs) yeah right (laughs) how about that uh so then what what followed was okay the realization that i'm not a very good writer in hindi but if he's enjoying it you know maybe more people would enjoy it if i write in english so i started writing these really terrible i'm not going to swear but they're like not very good (laughs) magical (laughs) realism novels and um, I paraded them out to writing conferences a few years later, and the agents were like, This is bad. <laughs> oh no, oh no. But it's fine, because it was part of the process, right? Yeah. Because one agent was nice enough to talk to me and be like, Do you have any other ideas? Like, maybe you could try nonfiction. And my boyfriend at the time was saying the same thing. So then I thought, okay, you know, what do I know? And around this time a few things were happening my friends were transitioning out of their full-time jobs and coming to me and saying how do i start a side hustle how can i have my afternoons like flexible so i can spend it you know with my hobbies or learning to code or my cats or whatever it was and and yes and then people were starting to generally become more interested in freelancing. So I started to realize this topic was resonating and I put together my decade of experience as a freelancer. And then I also went out and I had coffee with 50 different freelancers from, you know, Starbucks baristas to circus workers to robotics engineers and lawyers and everything in between and really tried to figure out how are people carving out these lives for themselves and making space for all their different uh, interests and skills and and hopes and dreams. And that's the freelance mindset. So that's kind of the journey to how I became an author and a freelancer, though they both happened together.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. I, you know, as I'm making my way through your story, um, you know, even hearing how it impacted your family and everything you went through with your dad and losing him. And I, I mean, how, what a hard time that was. And also trying to find yourself. Um, I think you bring to light what so many other people are going through when they, start to realize that this could be a possibility for them is um, you know, how's this going? How is everybody else going to think about this? Like how are my family and friends going to see me if I want to go down this path of freelance, either as a side hustle or full-time. I think it was really lovely that you not only included your very personal story, but also the stories of all these different pe- freelancers from different walks of life. It was really interesting to hear. Um, one of my favorite things you just said was, giving people the option to have a customized life to basically be able to incorporate all parts of themselves whether it's a hobby or wanting to be involved in you know something like law and also something like the arts i feel like so many people still don't realize that it's a possibility so i think this book is just such a big deal for people to read um to kind of spark that spark that curiosity about what is possible for them. I think that's awesome. So you mentioned a little bit about what inspired you to become a freelancer. Once you started it, how, how did it, how did it all play out for you? Was it, uh, an easy road? Were you able to like get clients or was there some struggles or obstacles along with it?
1: Yeah, it, you know, it sounds very simple in hindsight, but going through the process was, was actually very challenging. Um, So I'll expand on some of the things that you alluded to. One of these is the story around my dad. And he passed away when I was 22 after uh, about a nine-year illness, a battle with ALS. And one of the things I was kind of grappling with as I kind of turned this corner of adulthood was my family's idea of what stability would look like and their hopes that I would have a stable income and life. with also this tension that comes around, feeling that life was really precious and really short because my dad unfortunately got sick unexpectedly and he had, you know, he had been busy, but he also had a bucket list of things that he wanted to do when he retired. But retirement didn't look like what he thought it would. So, uh, one of the first challenges around starting as a freelancer was dealing with this reprogramming idea that kind of comes up again and again in your podcast around what is my family's expectation for me? What is my expectation for myself? And what does society expect for me? And at the time, all of those had kind of converged into what I knew as a traditional corporate ladder type of career where you try to get a job at, you know, a prestigious company or a company that pays really well, and then you try to keep it until maybe you retire with a golden watch in 50 years. Uh, That was kind of the dream when I was growing up. But At the same time, I was making this transition into freelancing kind of because I needed to. I had found myself in a situation where I was trying, you know, I had gotten an opportunity that was too good to refuse, but at the same time I needed cash. And so I was not very intentional in those first moments about what a freelance career could look like for me. So I was really kind of... uh, Just scrambling to find anybody who would hire me quickly and pay me and that led to I mean it was it was hard, it was competitive, even in those days, I think I I pitched 60 companies or so before I got hired for my first freelancing gig and luckily it was online, so I could do 60 pitches kind of over the course of a couple of weeks but. Uh, but there was a lot of rejection and a lot of doubt about whether this is something that could be sustainable and even once I had started uh, freelancing for me in the early days was more of a tactic than a strategy so it was get money into the door so that I can go to auditions and then at some point down the line I had actually given myself a deadline down the line on this magical day I'm going to now figure out my life and my income and uh you know, that's not necessarily how I would advise people to do it. (laughs) Uh, Jumping into freelancing without a plan makes it much more bumpy than it needs Mm -hmm. to be. I think there's kind of the optimal idea of freelancing, which is you ideally are in a situation that's pretty good, but you want to make better. And then you start to work in a few freelance clients, start to get a few um, anchor clients or some stability. And then you gradually shift if you're in a full-time job over to freelancing, um, But you know, for a lot of us that's not the case, and a lot of us are getting laid off right now or have health reasons or personal reasons that freelancing is just kind of thrust upon us so in those early days, I think. The challenge was around defining my business model, because I had a variety of things that I could do, but I didn't know what the market would value and then that was kind of. uh, I don't know intensified by the fact that. I was looking for cash very quickly and then intensified by the fact that I felt like I was defeating everyone's expectations of myself and I was taking this like stigmatized career path. And I think one of the beautiful things that's happened in the last three to four years is that so many people have started to embrace freelancing and freelancing has started to lose some of the stigma that it had in you know the last decade it's not completely gone but are embracing it and especially gen z is embracing it because people really understand the value of what it can bring to us you know in terms of financial freedom in terms of flexibility over our time and then also because life is precious and we used to say yolo at least my generation did (laughs) back in the day and we want to see these different versions of ourselves and so now kind of coming to it i see the beauty that freelance can bring but the early days man they were pretty they were kind of dark
0: Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that very much. And I also said yellow, so I don't think the kids say that anymore, (laughs) but But it's so true. And especially going through something like you went through and really having that realization that we have one life and I mean, we're, we're here right now. And what are we going to make of it? We, nobody knows how long we're going to be here. So really making it count and, um, finding the fulfillment wherever we can. While you were going through this, whether it was like, you know, starting out on your freelance journey, were there, were there either, you know, belief systems that you had internally, or, I mean, you mentioned the kind of stigma that has come with freelancing in the past. How did you kind of reprogram those as you went on your journey?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I needed to reprogram for myself was that I was tying my personal identity to what I do for work. And so every time I would go to a party, um, maybe my parties were not that fun, <laughs> but um, you know, people would ask me, what do you do? And I would feel this like incredible anxiety and shame. And that led to me really isolating myself from my classmates, from people who could have helped, from people who could have been clients. And the process that um that it took for me to reprogram that belief was kind of maybe three things one i'd say was that i had a couple of cheerleaders it wasn't everybody a lot of people thought what i was doing was weird or didn't understand it but there were like one or two people who were in my corner and were like you're doing something awesome like you're taking this life of adventure and you're having these exciting experiences and i kind of wish i could try that i didn't believe it Other people were telling me the alternative, but just hearing it from them was amazing. So that's the first thing I'd say is if you've got a couple of cheerleaders, even one, keep them close. They're very, very precious and write down what they say, screenshot it and save it. So you can come back to it later in the low moments. Uh, The next thing that happened was, well, um, therapy.
0: (laughs) So get that therapy. guys. I talk about it every day. It's best.
1: It is. So if you have the cheerleader, it's great, but they're not, they're only gonna go so far if you're not gonna also be your own cheerleader. So the next thing I had to really learn was how to notice when I was having these, these kind of not just self-limited beliefs, but you know, what is called in cognitive behavioral therapy, like distorted thoughts, bit where I'm catastrophizing or I'm downplaying the positive and not really recognizing the things that are going well or could go well. And Uh, I spent a good amount of time just learning to notice how I'm feeling in the moment and to start to get more grounded in my body uh, when I feel anxious or when I feel sad or or tired or overwhelmed. And then kind of backtracking, okay, if my body feels this way, I must have had a thought that led to this and figuring out what that thought was. Because sometimes these belief systems we have are so deeply ingrained in us, we take them for granted. We don't even know we're thinking them. So then once I've kind of figured out, I've had a thought and identified what it was, then the next step is really to challenge that thought and rewrite it into something that's um, kinder, gentler, maybe more accurate to reality. And if it's not accurate, because maybe it's uh, something that can't be measured, like nobody knows what the future is, but choosing something, a belief system that is a little more supportive, that will enable me to take action and to move forward so becoming that cheerleader and um, you know along the way there are a couple of tools that helped me uh, you know when i'm not in therapy there's a book called feeling good by dr i want to say david burns maybe okay. daniel um but the book's name is feeling good and he really explains what the common thought distortions are and how you can go back and rewrite them and if you don't want to buy a book there's an app called wobot uh that's w-o-e-b-o-t and you basically tell it, hey, Wobot, I'm feeling down. And Wobot asks you, okay, would you like to challenge some thought distortions? And then you write three thoughts and it helps you find the distortions and then rewrite them. And it's awesome and it's free. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Is that AI. Is it AI doing something nice for
1: us? That's so cool. Yeah. Is this finally like the first the robots that <laughs> come with a piece offering? They're helping you, robots. <laughs> <laughs> and the third thing I think is somewhere between necessity and aging i just started to realize that when i looked at the times that i felt the best that i was the most generative that i was the most grounded it was the times that i was believing these kinder thoughts about myself that i was attracted to the cheerleaders in my life and maybe with aging and the pandemic that you just don't have time necessarily to be bogged down because so many things are being demanded of you in a short time horizon and of necessity to keep moving forward, you have to choose the better belief. So uh, that was kind of my journey through reprogramming and it's, it's still a work in process. So if we have this conversation again in a year, I may have new tools or kind of new struggles that have come up, but this is where I am today.
0: Well, that's a great list and having those, you know, a three step thing that you can really look at for yourself is so helpful. And thank you for the book recommendations. I'll find them in, um, in the, I'll link everything in the show notes, um, because I think people will find it very valuable. I'm definitely trying that app. My audience just inevitably has many writers in it because I'm a copywriter and I know I, in fact, I have friends that are like, Oh my gosh, I have so many questions for her. So <laughs> we're dying to know what is the writing process like for your first book And what's it like to take a book from concept to published?
1: Yeah. So the writing process for me, um, it's gone through an evolution. So in the beginning, you know, I was writing out of necessity because it was my assignment in my Hindi class and then it started to feel fun. So then I followed the inspiration, but I didn't feel inspired regularly or, you know, with any kind of predictable manner. And, um, I found that i was in this place let's see circa 2015-16 where i had these aspirations of writing a book and i just thought this book would like kind of happen and every now and then i'd get a spurt of a few thousand words but it it never made it to novel length and it never necessarily was something that was coherent to read Uh, so what was really important for me was community and the first thing that got me structured about writing was my college roommate saying, Hey, have you heard of this thing called NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month? And it used to be only in November, but now I think it's January and also July. And if a month is 30 days, the idea is you take these 30 days and back solve how long a novel would be, which is 50,000 words, and mm-hmm. you write something like 1,600 words a day for 30 days. And at the end, you have a 50,000 word novel that you can then edit. Uh, it's pure chaos. It's very difficult. <laughs> I have never actually finished the fifty thousand wow. words in That's a month. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, it's oof, it's brutal. People do it. It's wonderful. But the thing about it is, it brings this community together because people are online sharing their progress. And my roommate and I would check in every day and commiserate about how hard the writing process was and how we were stuck and not hitting our word counts. And um, that kind of helped me feel like like getting people together and what is an otherwise really solitary activity, uh, was really critical to my moving forward. And as I started to get a little bit more serious about wanting to write, I started to find these online writing groups. And one of my favorite is called shut up and write. And it, yes. Okay. So you've heard of this, but for those who yeah. haven't, yeah, get right to the point, just do it, do it. Yeah. They, they pull no punches in the name, like as direct as you can be. Um, yeah, so it's a community where you, you don't share what you write. You basically get together either on Zoom, my group meets every day, but uh, you get together at a regular time, say what your intention is for that time. And then you literally do like the name, you shut up, you write. And when the timer goes off, you maybe stick around and chat, say how it went. And um, if you have to leave, you leave. But what was so important was, you know, writing inevitably has hard days, you plateau. Uh, you have to edit things and you don't necessarily know how to make them make sense you get rough feedback and having people around to just keep showing up to commiserate through the the difficult times that was very (laughs) oh man i'm in front of a busy street hopefully you can't hear a siren but (laughs) having the people around is uh was so helpful to keep me going so that was kind of what helped me get the word count what helped me get it into a book conferences so that was also bringing people together but i found that there were a handful of conferences that basically talk about the writing process and some of them even bring in agents and editors who will uh come and read your work for a little bit so in 2018 i went to one called uh muse and the marketplace which is hosted by grub street in boston Mm -hmm. and i over the next couple of years started showing my work in different stages to agents and this is where i first got the feedback that. Ooh, my magical realism novel was not gonna make it. But then I got the feedback that, oh, maybe my book proposal is sort of headed in the right direction. And then finally on my third try, I ended up getting an agent who was an agent I had met the very first time in 2019 and she finally liked how the work was going and felt that there was a market for it and she was right so i highly encourage people if you can find a conference or maybe even attend this one uh that's a really great way to get feedback from the community that is otherwise really quite opaque and hard to reach and if you can't make it to a conference but are able to kind of have a little bit of cash to spend um It's not that cheap. I think it's around $100, but there's a website called Manuscript Wishlist and agents will basically share the type of work they're looking for. And many of them will allow you to book a little session with them where they read a few pages of your work and tell you what they think and whether or not they would consider you for representation. So that's a great option. And if you can't, there are a lot of great books out there. I think one I really liked for nonfiction was called uh, Thinking Like Your Editor. And another one was called how to write a book proposal and between the two of those uh, and the third one is Jane Friedman I highly recommend everything she writes she has a blog I believe she's also written a book about it started her website and she'll get you to the right place. Uh, So between all of those resources I kind of cobbled together my understanding of what a book proposal would be like and then got the people to help me get the words out into a, a packaged form.
0: Wow. That was so, so many resources. Thank you so much for that. Um, when you were getting started, did you, how did you know about the conferences? I've never heard of anything like that. Like how did, did you, did you find that on somebody's like website? I think most, most aspiring authors tend to think like, I just got to look for an agent and like, <laughs> like, Oh, I'm just going to email someone my manuscript and then, then I'll have it. Like, how did you even know? Like, where did you find those?
1: Really good question. I don't remember the exact process, but I do remember the day and I was sitting alone in my, um, at my desk because I was working remotely as a freelancer and I hadn't spoken to anyone in like a few days <laughs> and I was just like, I've got to meet in somebody. your cave in your cave. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. My little writing cave. And I was like, there have to be people out there somewhere, like this was before the pandemic. So uh, remote work was not what what it is today. And I just remember this like desperate Google search. And I kept looking for conference after conference and I was late to the game. So most of the big ones had already passed. And then there was one that was happening, I think like two days or so after I had made this Google search, which was the Muse. And I sent them a frantic email, like, oh, my God, can I still be part of it? And some of the slots had filled up. Like, I couldn't have anyone read my work, but they were like, yeah, you can come and show up. So uh, I think the takeaway from that is, you know, when you feel these moments of discomfort, discomfort is not something to be avoided. Like, we, we we do our best as mammals to keep ourselves comfy. But when you have this moment of, like, ah, something is really missing in my life, That desperation pushes you to be creative and try new channels that you otherwise wouldn't think of. If I had everything humming along nicely, I would not have made a Google search for a writing conference. Um, So that's important to kind of embrace those moments for the change they bring into your life. And now I actually do remember why I had this idea to search for a conference. I had gone on a meditation retreat, and I decided to stay with a roommate, and my roommate happened to be a stranger who was writing a memoir. And I was writing a magical realism novel and we were like, Ah, the fates have aligned. This is so wild. And she used the words writers conference together. And so she planted the seed. I don't think she knew about Muse either because I remember sending her a message about this one, but she planted the seed that led me to look for it. So I don't know. Inspiration can find us in the most unlikely of places. Oh my God. Yes. I so believe
0: that. And just hearing that you went to a meditation retreat, I'm like, Ooh, (laughs) I (laughs) love that stuff. Where, where was it? I'm
1: just curious yeah so this one uh was in the bahamas it's called shivananda ashram it's a beautiful location the uh guru had inherited it for free uh because one of his early disciples was the daughter of uh, somebody wealthy and she was an addict who ended up getting uh recovery through this meditation and yogic lifestyle so anyway it's a beautiful white sand beach that's next to atlantis back in my day it used to be like god like 80 dollars a night and Somehow they became very famous during the pandemic. And I tried to go back recently and it was $400 a night. So I don't know that this is accessible. It was back in the day. But the good thing is that they are available on Zoom. Uh, If this is your cup of tea, check them out on Facebook. They do their morning meditations uh, live stream on Facebook, and you can get some of that inspiration, though you may or may not get a roommate out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
0: I mean, that you end up with another author. So cool. So one of the things that I just hear kind of weave throughout your story is this idea that really how important community is in some aspect, whether it's one-on-one like with your cheerleaders or your therapist or going to these writing conferences where you have the opportunity to connect with people, whether it could be a potential agent or maybe a friend or going to a meditation retreat where you meet somebody who's maybe on a similar journey. Do you feel like having that community, if you didn't have different ways to tap into community, do you think you would have struggled to get to where you are now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, there's that cliche, if you wanna go fast, go alone, if you wanna go far, go together, but you know, it resonates for a reason. Um, and so what I guess I would offer to freelancers who are looking for community, sometimes you're able to find community of freelancers or of copywriters if this is kind of who you're surrounded by and that's amazing to tap into, but sometimes yeah, you're following your truth and nobody else has the same exact truth as you. So how do you find that community? And what I've found that's been really helpful for me was following little sparks of interest and seeing where they led so uh, and and continuing to be open to letting them redirect me so you know in the early days that meant taking an acting class and why did i take an acting class well i had left bollywood at that point but i was feeling kind of stagnant i had a a full-time job and i just wanted to break free a little bit and in that class i ended up getting one of my most lucrative freelance clients Uh, to date because she was working at a consulting company and she was looking to fill a hole and it just so turned out that i had the skills but she came for her love of shakespeare i came because i missed bollywood and we happened to connect because we brought our full identities to wherever we go Um, so if you have little sparks of interest whether it's the acting class or the meditation or you know something outside of your daily sphere that can expose you to new people, that can create a little bit of community and serendipity. But if you can't, uh, I had the weirdest experience last night. I had gone to a coffee shop that I go to, I've been going to for years. And you know, I wrote several chapters of the book at this coffee shop. But last night I was there and I felt achingly lonely because my uh, business school reunion had just ended and all my friends had left town and I had nobody to hang out with. And my boyfriend had left too for two months. And I was like, my God, I wish there was somebody around to interact with. And in the chair opposite me, so on the other side of the room, this woman suddenly takes out a camera and is like, don't mind me, I'm going to start doing some weird things because I'm creating a video about how we can bring more playfulness into our work. And I was like, what? And then she goes, (laughs) this video is for dancers and movers. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I'll remind you of the title of my book. It's you know, Unleashing Your Side Hustles for Better Work, Comma, Play, and Life. And it started with Bollywood Dance. And so she recorded her video and she's you know got her leg in the air and is jumping around the, the chairs. And I was like, This has never happened in this cafe before. What's going on? <laughs> and after she finishes, I walk up to her and I was like, hi like can we talk like what is this and so we had like a five minute conversation about her work and what she does to bring playfulness into work and how she helps dancers be more structured and then at the end of it she you know i tell her about a woman that i interviewed who was a freelancer and is a movement and amb- net ambassador and what she does is come into organizations and replace meetings with dance parties. Oh my God. That is so so, needed. So needed. Right. right, Oh God. Can we do a podcast at the dance party? That'd be amazing. And okay. So then this woman at the coffee shop says to me, well, do you want to wiggle with me? I basically go into coffee shops and I ask the staff after getting my coffee, if they want to wiggle, do you want to wiggle? And I was like, yes. Like let's, let's wiggle. So then then we went on to record just like a 16 second uh, video of us dancing to whatever the ambient music was in, in this coffee shop. And we're laughing and it was like the most blissful 16 seconds i forgot that i felt lonely you know i don't know if we'll keep in touch we followed on social media but that moment of connection came in the most random place i i don't know how to manufacture that except to know that i was very conscious in that moment of what i was craving which was connection and i was outside my house instead of in my bedroom but you know, Mm -hmm. it could happen in your bedroom too, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody picks up the phone or you get on a zoom and, and have that moment. We're having this, this podcast right now on zoom. So it can be anywhere and yeah. um, Finding those moments of connection as a freelancer is so critical. I love
0: that you said that you were just, you know, not escaping the discomfort of the feelings that you were having and just being open to see where something takes you, whether it's trying this class or going to a just changing your scenery and going to a coffee shop. I love the idea of just being open to like whatever could happen. And I tend to think, here's me going woo, that the universe or whatever you believe in is going to bring you to the people and the places that you need if you are open.
1: Yeah. I really like to believe that. And as we were talking about earlier, choosing the belief that helps you move forward, I think is Very, very critical. So, whether this can be empirically proven or not, that super resonates with me.
0: (laughs) Yes, I so agree. Well, you have shared so many pieces of wisdom and resources with us. But if you, and maybe you've already said one, but if you can choose, leave our audience with one key perspective that you've adapted or reprogrammed, what would it be? And it could be, you know, in terms of the freelance lifestyle, or if you're thinking of penning a book, or just something in general.
1: Yeah, I would say have some sort of practice, whatever it is, it might be you know having your morning coffee, it could be going for a dance class, writing, journaling, meditating, talking to a friend, but have some practice that lets you tap into your intuition, that lets you get quiet and think about what would be exciting? What is that spark of curiosity that you have? Or what is this pain point of discomfort that's kind of weighing on you? So that you can connect more with the different parts of yourself that need to be expressed and so you can be more open and put yourself in situations where you can have. Serendipity growth opportunities exploration and that kind of richness of exploration and adventure that many of us crave, and I think that having that space to ground is, is difficult because we're busy all the time and don't necessarily want to tune into uh, things that will take us away from our to-do list. But it all kind of starts there with knowledge of the self and then being able to take tiny little steps like going to a coffee shop for mm-hmm. you know an hour or less and letting them kind of infuse your life with a little bit of new experience and new variety. And mm. You don't have to necessarily quit the law firm job and move to Bollywood. I would not necessarily recommend <laughs> that especially if you're not a trained actor. That is a highly <laughs> risky move. <laughs> but take the small steps and add in wherever you have space this this little pocket of exploration.
0: Beautifully put. Beautifully put. So, Joy If people want to connect with you, um, where can they find you?
1: And do you have any like cool, exciting things you're working on this summer? Yeah, so uh, find me anywhere on social media. Uh, My handle is at joybatra.com or at joybatra, but my website is joybatra.com. So two good places to start. Uh, And what I'm working on this summer, I'm excited to start getting back into writing classes and uh, potentially some acting classes as well, not for a career, but just for fun. And yeah, I think the intention is just to see where that takes me. I've got a little freelance work that I'm excited about, a few podcasts, and then we'll see where it blossoms from there. That sounds wonderful. Well, I'm going to
0: link all of your information in the show notes, and of course, link to your fabulous book, The Freelance Mindset, because I just really feel that there's so much value for anybody, no matter where they're coming from in their careers or their personal lives. So I can't wait to share that with the audience. And I thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your story with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was beautiful. I loved our conversation.
0: Thanks for joining me on this episode of Reprogramming. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope we'll see you here next time. I would love if you can share this episode with your social network. Please tag me at Reprogramming Pod or at the Lindsay Hyatt on Instagram. And as always, I so appreciate your reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And would be honored if you shared it with anyone who you think would benefit from this episode.